You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, y'all. It's Amir Yasai with The Take On for the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm here with my good friend, James Simmons, but now he's Dr. James Simmons. Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. How are you? Uh, what is that? I'm super not even really like used to hearing that at all. <laughs> Do- Dr. James Simmons. Like who? I'm like, who is that guy? You're Amir, you're introducing the wrong guy. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> I mean, you've worked towards this and you put so many hours in. And um, I'm so happy that, you know, you were able to, you know, you took those fabulous photos in your full gear. And I know that because of Corona, it kind of sucks that you don't get, you know, a full on graduation. But um, how did it feel like finally getting there? Well, you're right. This full on graduation, Amir, I had plans for this. I had told myself there was just like really just a couple of little gifts I was going to get myself for finally Mm -hmm. finishing my doctorate. One of them was I was going to get myself my own first pair of Louboutins. I was going to get some red bottoms and I have ginormous (laughs) feet. I have size 14 feet in men's. So these were going to need to be like specially made and whatever. But I was like, I'm going to cough up the money. I could totally do it. Well, since and I the goal was to wear them across the stage while I walked and got my degree. Right. Well, so extra custom lubes. I love it. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Right. And I was like, that's the only thing. And the other thing I was going to do was like, you know, get myself like a pedicure or something, you know, like nothing. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously there was no walking across stages with COVID. So I did not order myself my my Louboutins, but I did did get another pair of heels, just like regular old heels that I can just wear all by myself at home in the backyard. Oh, I love that. Oh, you were going to wear, wait a second. I, I'm, I missed the amazingness of it. So you were going to wear lube heels. I thought you were wearing the men's shoes and I was like, how are we going to see the red bottoms? But now I am so much more invested. Oh my yeah, God. Oh no. They were going to be full heels, like full on. Oh, and I was going to go, I'm normally yes. best in like a three or four inch heel, but I was yep. going to be risky and go for maybe just a four and a half or five inch heel. Like I was really going to do it. Wow. If you're going to pay for custom yes. lose, you got to like red bottoms, you got to do it right. Well, yes. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. They're supposed to do whenever it's safe and post vaccine and all that stuff. They're going to do an actual graduation for us. And I will do this, do that at that time. Oh my God. And I'm going to be front row. I cannot wait for that. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, I, you know, I'm so happy that, you know, you fully leaned in and, and, you know, you've done it and you completed this because you are truly have kind of demystified medicine for many people online, you know, ask the NP on your Instagram. And then as well, like YouTube videos, you, you really like taken, because I think there's so much like icky scariness around, like health and sexual health and et cetera. And you've really done a great job of like breaking it down. Um, what has been some of the feedback you've gotten from like, you know, gay men or queer people about the way that you kind of break down sex and sexual health? Like what's been some of the feedback? First of all, thank you so much. That's really um, super sweet of you to say. And, I, and I, I'm glad that that's what you get from what I'm putting out there in the world, because mm-hmm. that's what, what I'm trying to do. Like the, the, the old catchphrase of for Ask the NP is everything you're too scared to M- ask your MD. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, you know, I don't, I love physicians and doctors. I work with doctors all the time. Like we, we are all part of the healthcare delivery team. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not about 
being anti-doctor. It's about being pro-patient and it's about being pro making healthcare less scary for people, particularly online. And there's, you know, there's this thing called white coat syndrome, which is, you know, when people, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So at very, it's very textbook definition is uh, people's blood pressure goes up when they're in the doctor's office or nurse practitioner's office or whoever's office, their blood pressure goes up just because they're nervous being there. Well, If you dig a little bit deeper, there's also lots of other things that happen with white coat syndrome. People tend to not tell the full truth. Um, They tend to hold things back. They tend to get really nervous. They, They tend to not feel comfortable because there's this sort of like complex and this stigma that we put out there about you know, like, what is my healthcare provider going to say about me? They're going to judge me for all of these things. And I realized that that particularly for communities of color, for the LGBTQ plus community that not, I didn't realize this. We know the data tells us that this is very damaging to those communities and it's damaging to a lot of people. So what people end up doing is then Googling their health information or going on Twitter for God's sake, right. Or Instagram or something. And they get sometimes really great information. A lot of times, really, really bad information. And either way, no one's there to sort of dissect and translate what that information really means to the individual. So I thought, all right, I have kind of a marketing media background a little bit, and now I'm a nurse practitioner. And now in the world we live in, this was a few years ago, everyone has a platform, right? Everyone has YouTube or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Well, I can make some videos on my phone too. And started putting these videos out and the, the response has been crazy. You know, I, just like everyone, I have tens of maybe even hundreds of videos on YouTube right now that have like 400 views. And then I have some videos that have like hundreds of thousands of views and things have been retweeted and all those different things. And it's Mm -hmm. what I've noticed is that it's those topics where I talk about things that make people sort of uncomfortable, but that we also know everyone wants to know about. And I'm just like, look, I'm not here to judge you. Like this is a judgment free space. I, this is not about who you are bringing into your sex life or how many you are bringing into your sex life or what are you doing, but how can we talk about this in a way that keeps you safe and keeps your sex partners safe and keeps the community Mm -hmm. safe. And I think people really, really appreciate that, particularly queer folks of color who have not really had a lot of people like speaking directly to them in the past and even now. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's a lot that, um, came out, like, now that you mentioned that, like, people of color, especially Black women giving birth and dying at, like, a higher rate. Um, there was a woman that tweeted, like, I hope I make it. You know, I'm giving birth tomorrow. And she actually died in the hospital. And there is this, mm. um, there's some, like, really outdated stuff I heard. I was, like, shocked. I heard that, you know, a lot of medical practices, like, from 40 years ago said that Black people had thicker skin, that they could withstand more pain. Um, some of that stuff, I feel like it's still carrying over into like current medical practices, especially around COVID-19. Can you talk to me a little bit about what people of color go through in the healthcare? You know, I call it the the cog, right? The cog in the machine, because it is a machine. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, there. you brought up something that's really, really tremendous. So the number of deaths of mothers per 100,000 live births. So first of all, the United States is not anywhere. So we call that maternal mortality, right? So how many women Mm -hmm. die in childbirth? Mm -hmm. And the United States is not anywhere near where you'd think we would be with our our healthcare system, which has a lot of flaws, but we do a lot of things really well. You would think we would be like top five, maybe. No, I think last time I checked, we were sometimes somewhere around 17 to 18 in the world. So there are 16 or 17 countries. Yeah, that do better than us. And here in the United States, at least as of 2018, which is the last time we had data available for this, um, 37 black women die per 100,000 live births compared to 15 white women. So it's more than double the amount of black women die during childbirth than white women. And maternal mortality is considered one of those global international benchmarks that you can sort of measure the health of a nation's health and the health of a nation's healthcare system 
based on maternal mortality. It's sort of a, one of those things that everyone across the globe has said, okay, we're, we're going to talk about maternal mortality. We're going to compare and contrast to individuals because if we can't keep our moms alive while they're giving babies, like we're probably not doing anything else well, right? So two, more than half, it's more than double black women versus white women. And there are a lot of reasons for this. And and this this is just one statistic and one example, but Black individuals have higher rates of all of the underlying conditions that we've heard a lot about with like COVID-19, for instance, but a lot of those impact maternal mortality. So diabetes, high blood pressure, asthma, lack of prenatal care in particular is a huge one. And so you have individuals who are in a healthcare institution or a part of a system that in the black community is not very well trusted anyway, which was part of my doctoral research. Mm. And so the community doesn't trust the healthcare institution for very good reason. If you've not heard of the Tuskegee experiments, Google that. And (laughs) that will change your life. That's crazy. It it will change your life. Right. So we, you, you, and that's just one, that's the most widely known, but there's lots of other examples. So you have, so black folks generally don't trust the healthcare institution. And then you have, because of situations like redlining that have actually created systems of these neighborhoods that not only do they have poor housing initiatives, poor businesses, food deserts, all of those things. They also don't have healthcare institutions in them. There are places in Los Angeles. Uh, a food desert, very good, uh-huh. is the concept of there not being high quality uh, vegetables, lean meats, produce, organic, things like that, really good food available in certain communities. You have to drive too far to get to something. You have to, so, and there might not be any grocery stores, let alone grocery stores that carry higher quality products. So, in Los Angeles, for instance, there are lots of communities. It's t- they're typically South LA, um, Watts, those communities, which have been long-standing food deserts. Meaning, you have individuals in that community who have to drive sometimes wow. 10, 12 miles just to get to a grocery store. And so we say to individuals in that community, "Okay, well, you need to eat better. You need to eat more vegetables. You need to eat, you know, lean meats and do all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And individuals in those communities are saying, okay, but where are the places that I can get this? I literally have to drive to a completely different community to get the food that you're telling me to eat to reduce my diabetes, to reduce my high blood pressure, to reduce my obesity. So that's the concept of food deserts. Well, that concept also holds true to healthcare institutions. Lots of times people have to drive or take the bus or borrow a car or get a ride from a friend to a healthcare clinic or Mm -hmm. hospital that's way outside of their neighborhood. Well, if you've got three kids and two jobs and you, you don't have a car, no, you're going to miss your primary care provider's appointment when it's 17 miles away. Absolutely. And it's 17 miles. And then also in, in LA, 17 miles could be three hours. Oh, e- easily. And uh, I mean, yeah. on a bus? <laughs> I mean, are you yeah, kidding even me? longer. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. So, and I just, for people who don't know about the Tuskegee study, it's worth mentioning because it's insane. Like I, I looked it up because I had kind of forgotten the specifics, but um, I'm sure you can break it down easier, but it's really messed up that basically they told people they were getting treatment for syphilis and they were leaving people untreated. Like mm-hmm. talk about ethics and specifically black men died from syphilis. So like imagine thinking you're getting healthcare and then you're not. I mean, how can you trust the healthcare system after that? It's insane. Yeah, I, and it this went on for 40 years, by the way. The study was conducted oh between 1932 and 1972. So there, oh there are people, 1972, by the way, there are people listening to this podcast who were alive during all of this going on. And so the Public Health Service in 1932, which is kind of what the CDC, sort of the CDC, it's, it's a little mm-hmm. different, but uh, for conversation's sake, it's like what the CDC was in 1932. In collaboration with the Tuskegee University, which was which is a uh, was a historically black college in Alabama, enrolled mm, several hundred black men into a study to see what the effects would be if you let syphilis go untreated. <laughs> so they knew that these individuals had syphilis. 
They knew that they were intentionally treating some of the group and they were intentionally not treating the other half of the group. By the way, syphilis is something that you can treat with a dose of penicillin. Okay. So this is, it's not like treatment was expensive. And they just wanted to see over the years what were going to happen to these people who knowingly had syphilis and were untreated. But the the issue is the men who had syphilis did not know that they were not being treated. Some of them didn't Which even know the that really they had syphilis. Fucked up thing. <laughs> yes, that's that's the issue there. And this was oh 1972, God. by the way, when this finally ended. And so you want to talk about it's not just like you know, 400 years of slavery. And yes, obviously that's the issue. But when you want to talk about massive distrust, distrust of the healthcare institution by black individuals, part of the reason why even with COVID, I think the protests are a good idea. This has happening in generation. Like I was born in 1978. Like this literally stopped six years before I was born and I'm still young and fabulous. Yes, you are, honey. I mean, <laughs> listen, I think that, <laughs> yes, you are. And I, I think for a lot of people, it, I think a lot of people right now, I, I, there's a really beautiful Persian quote that says, some choose to sleep and some choose to pretend to sleep. So I think that you, a lot of people right now are pretending to sleep. They're avoiding and, mm-hmm. and it's becoming harder and harder to pretend to sleep because all of this stuff is coming out. And again, some of the stuff like this, I'd heard about this, I'd studied it, and I kind of forgot about it. And you, and that's the problem. There's a, and that's systemic racism. That's, you know, when a black person checks into the hospital, I've heard there was a woman that did an amazing TikTok. She was a white doctor and said she's heard her colleagues say, Oh, that black person can withstand pain more. Let them wait. You know, there's so much stigma and misinformation around black bodies not only on the streets but in the hospitals and it's like you would think that the police are there to protect everyone and Mm -hmm. the hospitals there to protect everyone but you see you know people dying at higher rates um not only lgbtq people but also black people there's a lot there was a hospital in central park that was not letting in gay people that had COVID 19 i mean and that's in new york you know like it's not alabama it's not the middle of america there's Mm -hmm. this idea that like that's all where the hate is. I live in Orange County right now with my parents, and there are Trump supporters selling merchandise at the at the gas station. That's oh, an yeah. hour away from LA. You know, oh, it's not yeah. like we're exempt because we're in California or New York. And people people do think that. And listen, the 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 yeah. data is very very real. You know, I love that you brought this up when we talk about like COVID nineteen, for instance. And you know, the, because there's so much of this. If Black Lives Matter protests that are still ongoing, by the way. Uh, a lot of people are forgetting that they're they're like, oh, you they know, are. the people protested for a few weeks and it's done. No, no, there are still protests going on every single day, as they should be. Right. We still haven't arrested right. uh, the murderers of Breonna Taylor or Elijah, by the way. So Elijah McClain. Right. So, but we were very quick to fire Nick Cannon right away and uh, lose, you know, and, and take ooh. his billion dollar empire right from under him. Very, so, very you know, controversial, <laughs> right? Yes, it is. Because it's very were... controversial. Again, I'm not saying what Nick Cannon said is right. I think sure. he he was definitely correctly, you know, dealt with. Like that was Viacom's decision. But at the end of the day, you can't take his idea. That's his idea. Well, so that, you're. I... You know, that's there's the so much in this, right? There's so much in yes. the, the okay, yes, he said this thing and and mm-hmm. he said multiple things. And his sure. apology was suspect. And then his second half-ass. second apology was much better. Mm-hmm. Also, is this, you know, these are not my words, by the way, but Charlemagne the God is coming to the defense of him and saying, you're right. Nick Cannon said these things and it should be dealt with in an appropriate way. And this is wrong and right. he needs to learn. But also right. this man just lost a billion dollar fortune and got fired over mm-hmm. the people in power who are white, r- regardless of, mm-hmm. of their religious orientation. And so I think right. it, it, it does speak to this entire issue about why, like why we're still protesting and why these things are still going on. And this, mm-hmm. I agree, like Nick Cannon needs to have, uh, there needs to be a lot of dialogue about what was going on. Cause Nick Cannon obviously Absolutely. has some conspiracy theories and all these things going on, but it's like the Deshaun Jackson situation in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. He did, he, it's, it's a little suspect as to whether or not he knew what he was requoting, but ultimately he right. requoted a requote of Hitler and 
That's mm-hmm. not right. You need to learn about that. But Deshaun Jackson is then right. going through the steps to learn and educate himself. He didn't completely lose his job in the NFL. And I don't think he right. should have for that either. But people need right. to call his ass out on some shit, just like they need to call Nick Cannon out on some shit. And just like Absolutely. we have to call out the fact that black people are five times more likely to be hospitalized and three times more likely to die mm-hmm. from COVID-19 than anybody else. Yeah. And if that is not something racial, I don't know what is like. And, and, and for a disease that everyone says has no doesn't care about race, uh, sexual orientation, how rich you are, whatever. But then but the healthcare system does, you know, the healthcare system does look at that stuff. So you might the disease might not. But then the healthcare system does. They're picking and choosing who they're giving care to. And that's where I think you know, you're seeing those numbers. Well, and there's, there's these discrepancies that happen with, you know, I, I, I'm really fortunate here. I, you know, I live in Los Angeles and there are, I work at two different hospitals and one is quite wealthy and considered one of the foremost hospitals in the world. And I, I won't say which one it is, but it's, okay. <laughs> it's a fantastic hospital and it's really great. It's in a predominantly white neighborhood. It's predominantly mm-hmm. very wealthy clientele uh, on the whole. And our COVID numbers in the hospital are low. They're mm-hmm. they're growing just like everybody else. You know, we are in California. We are in Los Angeles County, which is which is not trending well right now. So our, mm-hmm. our numbers are going up, but it's some, certainly something that the hospital can manage. The other hospital okay. I work in is in one of those healthcare deserts, is in one of those food deserts. It is actually the only trauma center within 25 miles in any radius of, of, of this particular community in Los Angeles, but it's in a very densely populated community. That hospitals covid numbers even though it's a smaller hospital than the 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 white hospital i'll say for ease of conversation their covid numbers are four times as much in that hospital and it's because that community serves black and brown individuals who don't have as as readily easily access to preventative care obviously higher rates of diabetes asthma smoking um obesity hypertension, all of the things that we know are really dangerous underlying conditions that make COVID-19 worse. And it's it's quite literally evident in the data. Like the data won't lie to you if you just pay attention to it. Absolutely. The data never lies. The data does not racist. The data will not conceal. The data will always tell you what you need to know. And I think, and even like going back to the protests, like obviously they're still going on and a lot of people are like, no, they're not. And I'm like, no, because the looting has stopped. So the media has no reason to cover it anymore. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of think like that's been the shift. And, um, you know, I, you know, study journalism. I know how the news works. The news is a very sophisticated reality show. It, it is people pretend it's highbrow and they pretend, oh, I have to listen to the news. No, no, you like Trump is the best thing that's happened to the media because even though he's a trash box, it's a dumpster fire is the center of every news channel because they Mm -hmm. love that people don't like positive news if i was to get on the news and say so-and-so recovered people would be like like they want to see people (laughs) die you know and it's sad it's sad to say but the data is there if you look at it people want to see people get murdered and raped and it's not that people don't it's not like people are actually thinking i want that but violence what what bleeds leads right and i think that if we can shift that in the media it will help every sector of our community because people are looking at that and thinking, ooh, like they want that salaciousness, you know? And and it's it's kind of unfortunate because I think a lot of people right now think they're living in a movie or they're living in a TV show or they're living in a video game. I mean, these people in Florida and even in, in Orange County, like I remember when the numbers were crazy trending, James, like a couple of weeks ago, people, the restaurants were full. Nobody oh, yeah. was social distancing in Orange County. Nobody's wearing a mask. Like when I was in LA on Saturday, everyone I saw was wearing a mask on the street. Mm-hmm. In Orange County, mm-hmm. it's probably 10%. Oh, if even wow. that, I think a lot of people here think they're rich. So they're like, if you're rich, you're not going to get sick. And I think that, that it's a, can you talk to me a little bit about what's going on in LA? Like, why are these numbers so insane? Is it because we have the beach? Does that have something to do with it? Like mm. what's happening? So I think there's, it's multifactorial, like and my, my husband hates when I use that word, but, but it is multifactorial <laughs> and, and, and it is, there's not one particular thing you can sort of pin this on exactly, but in LA, LA County has gotten bad for a lot of different reasons. And I think some of that is we do have communities that have 
like some of the nation's highest levels of all of those underlying conditions. And a lot, I I, I don't want to generalize, but for the sake of conversation, I'm going to generalize a little bit just so that folks understand. So I've made it very clear already that black and brown communities have higher rates of diabetes, hypertension, asthma, smoking, et cetera, less access to preventative care, all of those things. Unfortunately, in most of the country, but especially in places like Los Angeles County, the individuals who are essential workers, so the people who are delivering your mail, the people who are working at the grocery store, the people who are doing the dishes at that restaurant that you want to go to that you can sit outdoors at now, the people who are doing the what have been deemed essential services, not essential non-medical services, are generally service industry people who are black and brown, who then live in these communities with individuals in multi-generational homes that have higher incidences of all the underlying conditions that make you more susceptible to getting sick to COVID-19. Also, we have had an unbelievable, we had an unbelievable outbreak in Los Angeles County earlier on in our communal living facilities, particularly uh, nursing homes. And so you know, there, there's lots of sort of like institutional living facilities that aren't necessarily what you think of as a traditional nursing home. And there's lots of different types of those. But in what we think of as our traditional nursing homes, there were there was a very, very large outbreak among them early on that has tended to skew the data for sure. Um, L.A. County is really unique in that it's so geographically massive. Right. And so you you have the county, it's almost like it could be four counties in one because there are some rural mountainous parts of LA County. There are some beach parts. There are some very highly densely populated parts of LA County. There are some mega, some of the richest people on earth live in LA County. Some of the poorest people on earth live in LA County. So not everyone has adhered to all of the guidelines or been able to adhere to all of the guidelines in a uniform manner. So even though you have a place like New York that is super, super mega densely populated, um, and even though they shut down right around the same time we did, like like we shut down very early as a state and as a county, but but the the demographics of our county, the physical nature of our county, like the geography of our county is so different and so disparate. And it was already spreading so rapidly through some of our institutional facilities early on that we knew we were going to have these big jumps in cases. Um, and so that's, that's part of what's going on. Um, why, why there's this jump and why there's so many more cases in LA County than other parts of California, but let's not get it twisted. There are other parts of California. I think it's 40 some counties as of this morning that where cases are going up or flat, that they're Mm -hmm. certainly not going down. So we're still definitely in a danger zone. Wow. And I think that like, uh, for a lot of people that like, think that they can go, for example, to the beach. You can get it on the beach as well because there was a beach in Florida where they were calling it Petri Dish Beach, like um, Myrtle Beach. People were, like, there was a lot, 100 cases came out of that beach or something. Like, so you can get it in open air, right? Can you kind of, can we go through some of the myths like that people are now saying that like, if you're in the pool, you can't get it. Is that right? You can't get it in open air. Uh, very all- good. Oh, I, lo- I love that we're going to do this because you know I love talking about some Let's, myths about yes, health in general. Yes. So, Uh, and this is why, this is why, by the way, I think there are so many conspiracy theories, which is obviously something else we can talk about, but here's the thing. I'll start with pools. Like you said, so water. So what comes out, what do you see in the news and the, uh, and the news, like you said, if it bleeds, it leads. And that's an old adage that a lot of people have heard for a long time. And I agree with that, but I think there are some media outlets out there that are at least trying to get good information out there. The problem is that there's so much conflicting information and so much of the media is so inherently biased, either left or right or otherwise. Right. So you're not like you were saying, people are in, in uh, intentionally sharing biased views of the facts and reporting it as news. And we know that 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 is a really big issue in the media right now. So when you hear things... Absolutely. Well, they're also making it political too, James, right? Like they're they're saying that mask wearing is political. The disease is political. I'm like, it's Chinese virus. Like all of that racist political propaganda talk has kind of muckied up what what are the facts? Like you know, so that's why I kind of wanted to break that down with you. And I'm, I'm glad you do. So like in, in water, for instance, 
the virus cannot transmit from person to person through water. So that's the fact. Then what people run with, with that fact is sweet. I can go to the swimming pool. Uh, okay. So you can't get it in water, but what about the other people that you are around when you're laying on the sun, on the deck of the swimming pool, right? What about that? Touching everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so we do know that the virus parts of the virus can live on surfaces for a long time, but it's not necessarily always an intact virus that will cause an infection in you. But we do know that intact virus that will cause an infection in you does live on surfaces for a certain amount of time. So let's say you grab that ladder to crawl up out of the pool and you have a really high viral load of COVID-19. You've gotten the water out of your nose and out of your mouth. So you've used your hand to do it. And then you touch the ladder And then I don't have COVID-19 and I get out of the pool right behind you and I touch the same thing, that same ladder, and then I touch my face, boom, I have COVID-19. It had nothing to do with the water. It had everything to do with how the virus transmits and that the fact that I was near someone, touching what someone else was touching who has COVID-19. So people don't, people hear, oh, you can't get it in open air. So let's just go out and like have a party of 50 people in our backyard. Well, Oh, no. no. Th- does that make sense? And so this nuanced conversation <laughs> yeah. doesn't fit in with our TikTok culture. Having a conversation with mm. people about you can have the six people but barbecue in your backyard as long as everyone really does stay 10 feet away from each other and brings their own stuff. That's fine. You can all sit in the backyard together. Like, that's great. And you should because we're all going a little bit crazy. But but people are like, oh, I can have a backyard barbecue. Okay, off I go because they don't. It's it wasn't done in an eight second TikTok bit, and so they don't want to pay attention to what the details and what the actual facts are. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Absolutely. And then I think it doesn't help when celebrities are having birthday parties with more than 20 people. And then, you know, like... Cardi B had a party. Tiana Taylor had a party. If you see on, you know, TikTok, there was people like 20 people in a video. And you're like, because there's, it's almost like people, unfortunately, people look to celebrities and I feel like they're not setting a good example, especially in LA, because a lot of these people have really large homes. So they're like, oh, I I have a very large 20,000 square foot house. I'm probably not going to be, I can distance. But when someone sees that, and they live in an apartment, like they're not really, I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just saying like, there's more space in a bigger house, you know? So right. some of these celebrities are sending a really bad message, especially on TikTok. And you're like, cause I remember when I was like fully, like I hadn't left the house in probably three weeks and I looked on Instagram and I'm like, people are at a party. I was like, what? Like, not that I'm going to all of a sudden think I'm going to go out, but I'm also 34. But let's say you're 16 and you see that you're like, well, I could probably go to dinner with my friends then. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, it's fine. You know? So there's a disconnect there. And I, okay, so I want to ask you about, um, it, it's kind of um, super salacious, but, you know, CNN did this whole, art, like, this whole article about the fact that, like, you know, COVID-19 can get into semen. And there was a lot of really funny TikToks about it, people screaming <laughs> and being like, oh, my God, you know? And so, yeah, you know, and then, and then, and then New York did a whole, I don't know if you saw the, the, the like, you know, Department of Health in New York did this amazing thing about sexual practices during COVID-19. One of them said, wash your hands before you masturbate. The other one said, um, put a sheet between you and a possible sexual partner. There was some really weird wackadoo stuff in this list. Um, Can you illuminate us on, I know a lot of people are online dating right now. People are not really meeting up, but you know, I had a friend that went over and did a hookup last week and I'm like, and she's like, well, if I get it, I get it. And it's like, what? 
So can you uh, can you illuminate us on that a little bit? So and I'm listen. I'm with. I'm not with it. I I am not with the like if I get it I get it <laughs> mentality. Just no. because there no, are you, it's arguable the percentage. Some a, a physician I worked with yesterday said he believes it's only one in six. The CDC is saying somewhere around forty percent. I've heard as high as fifty percent of people who get COVID nineteen never know they have it. They are completely asymptomatic. Oh. So if you land somewhere in the 30 to 40% of people, that's still like more than a third of individuals who get this will absolutely never know that they had it because they're completely Mm -hmm. asymptomatic and that's fine. And even if you get it and you do have some symptoms, cool, you're probably going to be fine if you're otherwise young and healthy, but it's not you we're worried about. We're worried about when you go to the grocery store and you and grandma are both trying to figure out if you want frosted flakes and you're standing in the cereal aisle Mm -hmm. and you breathe all over grandma Mm -hmm. and grandma's 78 years Mm -hmm. old. She lives alone. She's got congestive heart failure and diabetes. She's just trying to get some damn food. And then she goes home and the next thing you know, two weeks later, she's intubated in the hospital and I'm having to take care of her. Mm -hmm. That's what we're worried about. And so when everyone's like, if I get it, I get it. I I hear you, boo. I hear you. I promise you. I have had sex droughts before in my life too. It is not fun, Mm -hmm. certainly not during a pandemic, but this is one of those moments in our lives where we just have to like find creative new ways to masturbate or have lots of video sex or something. But Listen, we are closer yes. to a vaccine. Get yourself a vibrator, honey. I got me yes, one. Yes, <laughs> yes. Get buy buy all the toys mm-hmm. you want and have some fun. And like yes. people are doing video yes. orgies and like all this stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. Have your fun. But for like literally, we're just asking you for months at a time. Think about someone other than yourself. It's not about you, boo. Right. It's about someone else. Right. And so to that end, absolutely. I'm also we know that just say no to drugs campaign didn't work. So that has taught a lot of us in, in healthcare and medicine and public health, whatever that we have to be, we have to take more of a harm reduction approach. So we know people are out there hooking up. I I know y'all doing this. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's okay. I'm just going to say, let's deal with the facts. And the facts are that people are out there hooking up. So let's be as safe as humanly possible when you do that. So I feel like mm-hmm. one night stands or like the meet them on grinder and four hours later you're grinding like that's completely mm-hmm. out of the question. But if you know someone Absolutely. and you feel like there's a level of trust there, they have some receipts. They've been like, look, I've been home for two weeks. I haven't been around anyone. I have no symptoms. And you can say that sort of same thing for yourself in a perfect world. Right. If you're both able to continue being quarantined test, get a test and make sure you're negative, then okay, your risk is probably super mega ultra low. And then I just urge you to continue to use whatever sort of sexual risk modifications you use as well. So condoms, prep, etc. So it's like having that conversation up front. It's like, it's, I think a lot of gay men understand that because a lot of times when you do do that, like, you know, four hour hookup, you just like meet someone and you on, online and then you go to their house, you have that conversation. Like, are you STD free? Like, are you HIV free? Like, you know, like there, we, I think gay men have these awkward conversations. I think it's really hard for straight people to have these conversations. Like I've talked to my friends and like, oh, we don't talk about that. We just get it. Oh, like, yeah. we just, just hope that there's. So I think that like gay men a little bit have an advantage. I mean, I had someone message me early on in the pandemic when I had Grindr. I deleted it since because it was just, it's like, why have that possible? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to myself, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to get myself in it. And I'm also quarantined with my parents who are older and I just have to be extra careful. And so he was like, oh, I'll give you gloves. And I'm like, boo, it's not about gloves. Like it's about your mouth and your nose and your... etc like so i don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) but what about this whole thing about like if you okay if your hands are dirty and you masturbate can you get it through your penis no not really it's it's not that's really not the 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 virus's preferred route of transmission if you will i mean i guess you can never say never there are always rare cases of everything on on earth but no it's generally through Mm -hmm. uh mucosal membranes like your mouth nose and eyes Also, viruses need a host to live. And so when we talk about, you know, there's all these studies, oh, evidence of COVID was found, or, you know, SARS-CoV-2 was found Mm -hmm. on metal seven days later. Okay. It's RNA from the virus, which is a part of the Mm -hmm. virus, but you need a complete intact virus to cause infection. And so- 
Got it. If you, this is why we're not really a big fan of people having to like douse their groceries in bleach now anymore. Like we kind of know that to my example right. earlier, if you're, you and grandma are look both standing, looking at the frosted flakes, grandma's in much more danger by you breathing on her or frankly, grandma breathing yeah, on you like either way, right? Grandma's right. much more danger of that, of you breathing on her or coughing or talking towards her than you touching the frosted flakes and then her touching the frosted flakes right afterwards. But the key is the virus can live for a little while as a complete intact virus that can cause an infection in you if you touch that frosted flakes box right away. So this is why we say don't touch your eyes and nose and face when you're out of the house and use tons of hand sanitizer just to be safe. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I think even the whole, like we had all this fear around boxes, like you need to get an Amazon package and you're all freaked out. And I think some of that has minimized because we, we know that unless you're going around like some people that were licking toilet bowls early oh on and then gosh. getting COVID-19. Yeah. So that was a TikTok trend. That was very unfortunate. Is TikTok um, going to so, be the, the end yeah. of us? I mean, honestly. I really think it is. And now they're saying that it's a cyber cybersecurity um, breach. So Trump is trying to shut it down. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, fear that's coming out of this, right? There's a, um, there's a, there was also a conspiracy theory talking about that. Oh, before we get to that real quick, I wanted to ask you about food. So there was, um, there was a, um, there's a restaurant in Orange County called Javier's where the chef gave a hundred people coronavirus because he was oh, sick, man. but it did, I don't think that it transmitted through the food. Did it, do you think it was, it was transmitting? Can it transmit through food? No, uh, we don't really have any okay. evidence that that coronavirus can transmit through the food. So, and I, I, I love that you're bringing this up because I, I, I'll use an example to kind of help clarify for everyone listening. So mm -hmm. let's say mm -hmm. chef, whoever, chef Barb is cooking your food and, <laughs> Barb. and she, and Barb is whipping up a meal and then Bar and Barb's got COVID-19 and mm -hmm. actually, you know what? Amir, I'm going to back up just a little bit. There's a couple of other things that go in yes. that are involved in transmission of COVID-19 that I think it's really important for people to remember. Viral load inside of someone who has COVID-19 is very important. So this is why we say that pre-symptomatic individuals or just newly symptomatic individuals are probably the most contagious because their viral load is super, super mega high. And viral load is quite literally what you think of it. Those of us who are familiar with HIV viral loads and other diseases that have viral loads, it just means how much virus is in you. Well, people who are pre-symptomatic and we think maybe some asymptomatic people, though we're not entirely sure. Those individuals, and that's usually at about anywhere from three to seven days after uh, contact with the virus, have a huge, huge viral load, those pre-symptomatic folks. If you have a really high viral load, that means there's more virus that comes out of you when you sneeze. So, right. Oh, okay. So it comes out of you when you sneeze. That's like the, is that the main, I guess, that's the main way yep. to kind well, of the droplets, dro right? Sneeze okay. and some smaller air particles. So talking, coughing, sneezing, even breathing. Okay. If you're like breathing really hard. Okay. So all of these things that. What about laughing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Laughing too. So all these okay. things that project right. your, your saliva, project these droplets out mm -hmm. of any of your orifices, primarily your mouth, but your mouth and your nose. So okay. things that project out. So let's okay. say Chef Barb. So we know that viral load, that person's viral load has a lot to do with how, how likely you are to get infected. If Barb's viral load is super, super low, you have a less likelihood of getting infected from Barb if you're standing next to her and she sneezes. If Barb's right. viral load is super high, you have a higher chance of getting infected if you're standing next to her when she sneezes. Okay. So that's one thing. Time under exposure is another really, really critical aspect of this. This is why you've kind of heard like you know, stay six feet away from each other, use hand sanitizer, wear a mask, and don't be in indoor places around each other for very long. Time under exposure means how long are you standing next to Barb? How often is Barb talking in your face, sneezing, coughing, laughing, et cetera? Because if you're not around Barb very right. long, the likelihood that she's going to cough or laugh or sneeze in your face is low. But if you're around her for an hour, it's a lot right. higher. Okay. So but if you're not wearing a mask, you're even more susceptible, right? Because people in a restaurant, like, you can't wear a mask and eat, right? And so people are going to have to take it off at, at some, some point. point. And, and that's part of it, but that's even a little bit different. So when it comes to the food, so let's say Chef Barb sneezes on your food, and then 10 minutes right. later, that food is delivered to your tray. We have no, or your, to your table, we have no evidence that Chef Barb 
infected your food. What Chef Barb probably did infect were the other people in the kitchen cooking and the servers and the the host staff because they were around Chef Barb their whole shift and maybe Chef Barb had a really high viral load and maybe Chef Barb is a big flamboyant talker and she was spitting in everyone's Mm -hmm. face when she was talking to them because a lot of times you can't even see it. So that's really how when they talk about you know, places like restaurants where people work in really, really, really tight quarters and they're yelling and screaming and, you know, right. I will need a number four, right. like all of that. That's where the spreads mm-hmm. so fast and so easy, not through the food. Got it. Got it. That's, that's very illuminating. And I think that, um, what I wanted to ask you about is like a lot of, there's a lot of, um, it's weird because people are pretending like this is the only disease that we've ever dealt with. Like, can you, cause there, there's so much dirtiness, right? Like I'm like, I always forget. I'm like COVID-19 was such a good excuse for the subway to be clean. Like there was a lot of stuff we were doing in this country that other countries do not do. Like when I, you know, I was in Singapore, I've been to other countries and they're constantly cleaning stuff there because I think they're, they've dealt with a pandemic before. They're a lot more aware of it. So when you come to the U S like, most men don't wash their hands. Like you are, you are hugging everyone. You're going to potlucks. You're, I mean, I wish I remember all of the events I'd go to. You're eating from the same tray. Like, do you think in some ways, like we were sleeping on our own mm. health, like before COVID-19, like we were kind of like, ah, uh, whatever. Like you're sharing drinks. Like I remember like I made out with like three men in one night. Like I went home with two, like, you know, it's like you, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to sh- kink shame or slut shame anyone. I'm just saying there was a lot that we were doing where it was kind of a bit cavalier, sure. um, especially in the queer community. Do you think we were sleeping a little bit on our own health? Excellent question. The, the, Hmm. I, I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts that just flooded my brain about this. I will say that there are probably, there are kind of two arguments to this. So a lot of uh, experts who deal in, hu- in in immunity and how we prevent getting mm-hmm. disease is exposure to it. And that's really super mega important. We know that that is a massive part of our immune system and how our immune system works is our body needs a little bit of exposure to diseases. And then we learn how to fight it off so that the next time when we get really exposed to the same disease, we know how to fight it off and not get sick from it. So some people, very, very smart individuals would argue all of everything that you just described, Amir, has actually helped our immune system from infectious diseases. Other people will will, oh. will tell you to your the point I think you were kind of trying to make here is other people will say, no, we need to be much more cleanly. We need to be much more aware of, of what is going on. I tend to, and I'm not trying to like ride the fence here, but I tend to land in the middle only because... I think that it is important to understand the nuance of particular diseases. So if we get in the habit of sort of being like, everyone's sick, oh my God, panic, stay away from people, don't touch, don't share food, don't do any of those things, we do lose a measure of our immunity. Part of our immune system has to learn, it has to be educated and constantly re-educated. How do we prevent these new diseases? And so it's just like the common cold, for instance. Different strains of viruses, some of them are coronaviruses, by the way, different strains of viruses right. of the cold come by and- Isn't SARS a coronavirus yep, yeah. as well? Yeah, so SARS, SARS okay. is okay. coronavirus. Mm-hmm. They're all, you can think of coronavirus as a big family, and then there's a bunch of like brothers and sisters and step cousins and all this stuff, right? So- Oh God, it's like a racist ass family <laughs> that's celebrating well, COVID-19 Day. is, that's so funny. COVID-19 <laughs> is certainly the like step cousin that was not invited to the barbecue, Okay. Uh, she's, she's a mess. So uh, I I suppose I shouldn't gender a virus, right? That's, that's probably not good, right? No, I mean, well, yeah, we call her Ms. Rona, but Miss can be really anyone. I mean, the fact is like this country, we always name hurricanes woman too. There's a bit of misogyny that unfortunately goes unnoticed, (laughs) but I love that you. Right. Right. I feel like, okay, maybe I should not, you know, let's like, let's, let's play fair. So (laughs) what's going on here though, is that it, it has to be something of a balance because I, what, what I immediately think of with this is HIV, right? So if, if, if mm-hmm. we, if what we took as a lesson from HIV was that we have to be tremendously scared of swapping any sort of body fluids with anyone ever, or we're going to get this disease that will immediately put us in jail, none of us would be having sex. Mm-hmm. And 
we would have right. we there's still a really massive stigma in the uh, uh, to folks who have HIV, but that stigma would be way worse, right? It would be tremendously worse. And so I think we have to agree Absolutely. that sort of on the whole, though you might not think about it now if mm-hmm. you go watch or if you go look at Twitter for any amount of time, but we are generally right. a species who is able to have complex thought and understand Mm -hmm. somewhat abstract (laughs) concepts. So in knowing this, I I like to believe that most individuals could say, okay, with something like COVID-19, I need, it's, it's me spitting and laughing and coughing and sneezing on people. I need to stay away from people so that I don't do that, or they don't do that to me. But that is categorically different than another virus, which is HIV, which is transmitted in a completely different way. So I'm not sure we were necessarily as a society sleeping on this. What I do think is that we as a global community don't take, we didn't take the threat of a global viral pandemic as seriously as we should because we experts have been saying for a long time, this is the thing that's going to shut down the global economy. This is the thing that's going to set us backwards. Mm-hmm. And we did. I mean, there's a reason they made movies like contagion and outbreak and all these other movies is right. because scientists right. have been. And Bill Gates have said, yeah, it too. yeah. And whether you believe that's conspiracy theory or not, like people have been predicting this for a really long time. And there, I honestly feel like viruses mm-hmm. and cockroaches are going to really be the only two things that survive the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we're, we're like making it again, like a dumpster fire and we're expecting, and I think there's a lot of privilege in the U S as well thinking, Oh, this disease, like even calling it a Chinese virus, which I hate is, you know, we just categorically started hate crimes against Asian people on it. Such a, my friend in New York said that when she'd go on the subway early on in March, like people would leave the subway, people would say things to her, people would move. I mean, that even saying that has created such a, stigma around Asian mm-hmm. Americans, but you know what it is in America, there's such a privilege. Like we're not going to get that. That's a disease that's over there and we're not going to get it. And the fact that like, again, I'm not happy about anyone being sick, but it does feel a little bit validating that we have higher, higher cases than other countries because Americans have such a privilege. And there, and again, this is all tied to racism with what people don't understand. Like there is this idea that we are better. We are American, mm. you know, all of that mm. bullshit. And I think that that translates over and, you know, all of the conspiracy theories of like this being a, you know, a disease that was created in a lab in China. You know, I don't know if you've heard that. There's a lot of like conspiracy around this not being a real disease. Um, And then all of, you know, Fauci, obviously he did a lot of great work around HIV. And again, Ronald Reagan didn't listen to him and to have him come back and actually be heard is kind of nice. But then there's all these like conspiracies that they started this disease because Bill Gates and him, you know, could make billions. I, can you talk to us a little bit about some of these conspiracy theories around Bill Gates and the vaccine? And when we do have a vaccine, is it like, can we just put our arms up and just run around and hug each other? Or is that not really how a vaccine Gosh, works? I really hope that um, that we can do that when the vaccine, because I'm such a hugger. Like, I love that you like just this. I know, I know you are too. That's the, this uh, thought of you just saying like, can we all run around and hug each other? I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to like run around and just like give everyone hugs. Um, I, cause I miss that. I miss like quite literally other than I did hug a nurse at work who was really sick and came back. And I, we turned our heads to the side. We both had N95s on and we were, we just like hugged each other really fast for like five seconds and then walked away from each other. But other than that, other than my husband, like I literally have not like had contact with anyone else. It's been, why am I crying over that? It's making it, me really emotional because it's like, it, it's just, it's sweet. It, it is sweet. really sweet. And we, I mean, that's that the whole impact this is having on healthcare workers, good and bad and, and left and right is a, is a whole other podcast mm-hmm. conversation. But, you know, so I'll Absolutely. start with, with vaccines because I, I feel like that we do need some good news, by the way. And there was some really kind of exciting good news about vaccines that will ultimately answer your question, Amir. So there's a, a bunch right. of different companies and schools and research labs that are working on vaccines. The two most famous right now are Moderna, which is the one that got a bunch of money from the Trump administration. They've never actually made a vaccine before, but they've made a bunch of other really cool stuff. And so the Trump administration was kind of like, okay, you guys are go-getters. You had the best presentation. We really think you can come up with something. And they had the timeline that everyone liked the most. So the Trump administration gave them both money. Good, bad, or ugly, it happened. The other uh, organization is Oxford University in, in the UK, has partnered with AstraZeneca. So one of the biggest of big pharmas 
And they are like, all right, we already have a head start on a vaccine because they had already been working on vaccines for other viruses in that coronavirus family. Well, that's part of what's super important. If you have the genetic makeup of the family, it's much easier and faster for you to be able to, to get that whittled down to that step cousin that wasn't invited to the barbecue, right? To figure out how do we combat that one, COVID-19. So they were already ahead of the game in a lot of different ways. AstraZeneca threw a bunch of money at them. UK government, some other folks, I think the WHO, everyone threw a bunch of money at these Oxford individuals. And they actually announced just today that they have moved Mm -hmm. into phase one human clinical trials. They gave the vaccine to 45 individuals and there were mild to few side effects. And the uh, vaccine elicited a robust antibody response and a T cell response. And why that's important. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. is right. So why that's important is because we've seen already that some vaccines and people who have gotten the disease who then develop antibodies afterwards, right? It's your body sort of like short-term memory and how to fight off this disease. Well, that short-term memory we're learning is really short. Like those antibodies probably don't last very long at all, which is really scary. Which is why you can get it again, right? Because people that have had it still Yeah, which is why we think that some people have tested positive twice and been able to get it again because the antibodies are really, really small. Uh, You know, they they don't last very long, I should say. But your body's sort of medium range memory, so not short-term memory, not long-term memory, but medium-term memory Mm -hmm. are your Mm T-cells. And those T-cells learn how to fight this bastard off and keep it out of the barbecue longer than your antibodies. And so this vaccine. And you have a certain amount of T cells, right, James? And then that just adds to your amount of T cells. Well, it teaches the T cells that you have. So it it doesn't actually, yeah, because those T cells know all kinds of stuff. They're super smart and they are, they are really good at battling off millions of different bugs and stuff. And they kind of know what's going on. And so what we're doing with the vaccine is essentially educating those T cells about how, Oh, I know this one. That's COVID-19. I done seen her at the club before. No, you cannot come in, right? That's what the (laughs) team... She done already had hers. (laughs) So that was really exciting news coming out of Oxford, um, Mm -hmm. coupled with AstraZeneca. They they said they thought they could have 30 million plus doses ready for distribution by October. That is... I warp speed, which is what it's called. Operation warp speed that it is warps. It would be warp speed. Um, it scares me because long-term ramifications of vaccines, um, is something obviously we can't study, but I think it's probably worth the risk in some people. Um, but it, it's cause something's has to change. We do have to get to a vaccine. And one of the other really good news about this is that this is, um, the, there's a woman named Dr. Sarah Gilbert who is leading this initiative. So, the person who is at the helm of developing what could possibly be the vaccine that gets us out of this is a woman. And I love it. Yes, I love it. I mean, it it's turning the tide. And I, I think that what you mentioned, obviously, there's a lot of anti-vaxxers and there's a lot of, you know, I have cousins that didn't vaccinate their children. And there's a lot, you know, of ramifications and side effects from that as well. But I like that you're mentioning that, you know, it is a long term kind of thing that we just have to just like hope for the best do you think they're going to force everyone to get a vaccine because the thing the problem is if correct me if i'm wrong if you get the vaccine and you come in contact with someone who has it you're not going to get it yeah so that that's 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 essentially the 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 key and and it's it's no guarantee you know even the one of the best vaccines we have on earth is the measles vaccine and even that at at its best is 95 percent um effective so Mm. we you know we talk about herd immunity and so we probably need to get some more Oh God, I hate when people say this. It's always the right that says people have to die, herd immunity, the schools right. are opening. Yeah, can you break that word down for us? Because it is kind of like a <laughs> it's a word that the and right. And it's become uses kind a of a hot button political word, hasn't it? Uh, which is unfortunate. I never thought in my career mm-hmm. I'd hear the word herd immunity would be political. But so uh, we <laughs> we get to a point where somewhere between 70 to 80% of the population has to have either gotten COVID-19 and recovered from it or been vaccinated against it for the virus to start to die off. So remember, viruses need hosts. 
And so what everyone, the argument in herd immunity is, well, if everyone gets it, the people who are going to die from it, die from it. The people who are going to live from it, live from it. And then the virus has nowhere else to go because it's not found any hosts that have never had it before. The virus will effectively die out. That's how, at least in in the technology that we have as human beings, that's really the only way we know how to get rid of viruses is to is to effectively they they burn themselves out. You know, the theory about the Spanish flu was that part of the reason the Spanish flu went away, they think, is the only reason the Spanish flu went away is because it killed everybody it was going to kill. Well, that's sort of this theory that a lot of people have about, well, let's just herd immunity, release everybody, everyone gets it. If you die from it, you die from it. I'm sorry. That was your fate. If you live from it, you live from it. Well, what people, the vaccine makers and the rest of us are saying is, hold on a second. Yes, we have a certain percentage of people who have gotten COVID and gotten over it and a certain percentage of people who have unfortunately gotten in and died. But if we can vaccinate like 70% of the population and you combine that with the people who have gotten COVID and survived, we'll reach that herd immunity level and the virus will die out because it won't have any naive hosts in which to infect. Got it. But that. But then what about the theory that like COVID-19 will be around like the common cold? Like it's always going to be there. Be- could be because like, viruses yeah. mutate and they viruses mutate all the time. This okay. coronavirus, this, this COVID-19 has mutated 12, 15 times probably since it hit our soil. <gasps> Fuck these viruses. Well, That's why I say oh viruses and cockroaches, but they, most mutations, it's, <laughs> it's a very natural process that they mutate and most mutations do not make it more lethal necessarily. Um, and so what they're thinking is that mm-hmm. most vaccines, we'll have to get a vaccine every year, like a flu shot that will have to just keep up with the mutations in the virus. And so we'll start potentially getting COVID-19 will be mixed in with our flu shot and we'll have to get it every season. Oh, wow. Interesting. That's very interesting. I mean, it's, I, I could talk to you forever. It's been super illuminating. I just wanted to end on this topic that we, me and you have had this conversation many times, you know, being a black or brown doctor now. Yes, Dr. (laughs) James. And, you know, working in this field, being someone who's brown and, you know, for other people that want to get, I have a lot of friends, you know, Indian, Persian, you know, Latinx, Black, who have had such crazy experiences being a doctor, have come into a room. I have a friend who has a very thick accent from India. And every time he comes in the room, pretty much he said every day, someone says, "Um, I can't understand you. Like, I need another doctor. You seem too young. Like, there is so much racism from the patient side as well. Um, what's your advice to people that are getting into the medical field who are black and brown bodies and are are just trying to help people and save people's lives and they're being kind of confronted with a lot of racist comments or lots of microaggressions? Like, wow, you're such a good doctor. I didn't expect mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, How do you navigate man, that? So rough. Uh, my, you said the word advice, and I, that's always that's such a dangerous word, right? But my advice would be. To black and brown folks, please come. We need you. <laughs> uh, particularly, mm-hmm. if anything, <laughs> find your altruistic roots and do it for your community. Do it for your individuals. There is yes. there is something that is categorically yes. different about, and it's just the world we live in right now. That there's something categorically different about. Like I, I work with a lot of patients who speak Farsi, and there is something categorically right. different, Amir, about when when. I'm with a physician or another nurse practitioner, someone who can walk in the room and speak Farsi, right? Like you just, thank you. I'm going to be able to communicate with you in a way, not through a translator and blah, 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 which is fine. I use translators all the time, but like, and so if there's, if a black man sees another black man walk in immediately, there's, it's like 51% of the battle is over. And then that whole white coat syndrome thing that we talked about early on, a lot of that disappears. A lot of that can be like, okay, black man to black man, let me tell you exactly what's going on. My my penis is dripping, right? Or like I got this weird growth on my testicles or whatever. But like if you are a black man and, you know, privileged white Johnny walks in, like no offense to privileged white Johnny, like he's probably Mm -hmm. there doing his best job as well, but you're just not going to open up that way. So it is very, very worth No. The things you have to go through, the the institutionalized racism, the systemic racism, because it's A, getting better, and B, the best way to serve our patients and our communities is for us to get into this and stay in it so we can fight the fight for our people. Absolutely. It's really well said. You made me so emotional. I just thought about this idea of like, you know, a black man sitting there being worried about his health and seeing a a black doctor reflected back. There's nothing like that. 
And I think it's it's just truly magical. And yep. I I love that you mentioned that. And it's it's about getting in touch with your altruistic roots and mm-hmm. all of that. I love that. I mean, James, again, I could talk to you forever. Dr. James Aww. Q Simmons, you you know, you've done a lot of great interviews on Channel Q on the FM radio. There you have your YouTube videos. And then tell us what your Instagram is so people can, you know keep in touch with you and DM you because I'm sure a lot of the people listening have a lot of burning questions. <laughs> right, right. If um, it bur- that's one of my favorite sayings <laughs> that we learned in school. If it burns when you pee, it's a UTI or an STD. I, I like to leave people with that one. Um, <laughs> I love, I love right. a little rhyme. Exactly. You know, um, so rhyme. I am, and I'm most active on Instagram and uh, Twitter, although there are some things coming you'll have to see, but I'm at ask the NP, ask the NP. I love it. I I think that, and I'm only, I, I'm a little biased. I am your friend, but I think you're absolutely wonderful. And I love the space that you take up. And I think that you're going to really help people to, to just get in touch with their own health and to move forward. And, I, and I'm so, so here for Thank it. you for having me on. Um, thanks again, Dr. James. Of course. And thank you everyone for being here uh, for the take on um, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Amiri Sai. Follow me at Amiri Yoss Official. I love you all and be safe and wear your fucking mask. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Take On. The Take On is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and The Take On at bpn.fm backslash The Take On. And of course, on my Instagram at Amir Yas Official. Yes, honey, we're official. Make sure to subscribe and rate The Take On wherever you stream your podcast and keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.